online, on smart speakers, and on Listen Again. This is Food FM. You're listening to the business of food with Asma Khan. This podcast is brought to you by Distill Ventures. At Distill Ventures, we're always on the hunt for the next great drinks idea. We believe that true brand innovation comes from those who are often overlooked. And with our pre-accelerator, we aim to find those founders. With our pre-accelerator, we're searching for founders from underrepresented communities who need the funding and support to kickstart their vision. To apply to Distill Ventures pre-accelerator or to begin your journey in creating a new drinks idea, head to www.distillventures.com now. I really do think that as much as we can, we've, we've got to try and look at what, what are the things that this allows us to do, this crazy period of, of our lives. And it does allow us to rip up the rule book. That's one thing that I'm very clear on, that if you are willing to do that, it's a, it can be a very positive step. I'm very excited to speak to someone who unfortunately is virtually far away. I wish we were actually sitting in his amazing donut shop and having coffee and donut. So I have the incredible JP as my guest today. You know, it's a big achievement for someone to uh, set up one very successful business. But JP is quite incredible because he's managed to set up two very successful businesses at a very young age. Hello, JP. <laughs> Hello, Yasma. I'm not that young anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you are. You've done, you've done really interesting work because, you know, when you, even when you look back, you know, three, four, five years ago, you know, the donut market was still quite saturated. And, you know, of course, now it's, it's gone completely crazy. You came in with a product that was so different so unusual. And, you know, what was driving you to kind of come up with something like Crosstown Donuts? It really started with coffee, actually. And, and a lot of people don't know that, that, you know, I've lived in London now for maybe coming up to 12 years. And when I first moved here from, from Australia, I remember it was incredibly difficult to get a, a really good cup of coffee, like a, a specialty cup of coffee. And it's so common and, and so uh, spread in Australia, it's so accessible, but it was very difficult here. And you had to go to, you know, a select handful of, of independent coffee shops to get something decent. So actually, you know, the idea originally came from, you know, how do we do something with specialty coffee that, you know, would give you a moment away. And that idea actually evolved to, to what is Crosstown uh, now. And, you know, I met a guy, you know, I can't take all the credit, definitely not. You know, it's been a partnership to get Crosstown off the ground. And I, I met a guy called Adam uh, Wills, who has been on the restaurant sector a very long time in, in, the, in London. And he was one of a number of people that I was very lucky to, to meet from, from doing a business plan. And we just struck it off. We, we got along really well and uh, we got to know each other properly and that idea of, of specialty coffee evolved into donuts and coffee. And we just felt there was a really significant gap in the market for a premium, you know, product, something that was handmade using really great ingredients that was fresh, that was innovative, progressive and, and modern day in many senses. So Although it started with coffee, it evolved to, to us becoming a bakery and it has evolved again for us to be doing now 
not only donuts but also cookies and ice cream and and soon to launch um chocolate as well actually it, it's always been at the heart that that the quality of the product the quality of the ingredients um the processes that we we do have, have been at heart of, of the brand um you know it starts with the product and it always will be pivotal to to crosstown successes so it's it was yeah it's, it's been a journey but i think when I, you think back to it quality has always been uh, the key ingredient in many senses yeah, no, and I, I have a story which I'm now going to tell you because I've told the story, my JP story, to a lot of people, including young people okay. when I speak to them. So you had this, this stall in Piccadilly Circus uh, 2015. I was doing a pop-up in uh, Sun and 13 Cantons, uh, the Soho pub yep. just down the road. And I used to see this young man sweeping the floor. Uh, in a donut shop. I didn't have money, so uh, my chef and I would share the creme brulee donut. And sometimes he used to ask me, you know, that, you know, why are you spying one? And, you know, you, and I would always tell you I'm dieting because I was scared that, you know, he's, he works in the shop and he might have to give it to me. I didn't know you were the founder of the shop. <laughs> and you used to be sweeping the floor and you had a little cupboard where you used to put the stuff. I still wait for you to finish cleaning the floor. Uh, before I got this one donut, we used to stand in the station, cut it into half, <laughs> and my chef and I would share it. And I tell people that this is how you become powerful. This is how you become a founder. You're innovative because at no point did this guy tell me, you know, I own this place or whatever. I just thought he was the bloke who cleaned the floor, but he was always there. <laughs> and, and, you know, who happened to, you know, also could sell the donut, my one single creme brulee donut. <laughs> but you know, this is so inspirational about you because I love this that, you know, you used to be there cleaning the floor and look where you are now. You know, it's just, I feel very still, proud. Still cleaning I, the floor, Asma. <laughs> still cleaning the floor. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure you're still cleaning the floor. But the thing is that, you know, you started very small, did interesting stuff because I, I, I remember then reading that, you know, you were taking cards for payment uh, in your first stall, which, you know, was so radical at that time, you know, doing something so different. And of course now, you know, a lot of my friends, they talk about the vegan donut. I'm not vegan and I just don't want to miss the chance of having my normal donut. <laughs> so I, I have to admit, I'm very ashamed. I've never tried the vegan one because- They taste I get the same. Very, That's I the know, beauty about them. But I, I get easily distracted by my favorites, okay? So I, when I go in there, I'm not going to, I, I know what I want. So I just go and get what I, what I like. But it's it's been incredible to see, uh, you know, just you've been able to follow and be ahead of the curve for all the things, the changes that have been happening, you know, with the vegan stuff as well. You know, a very, my closest friend, she's vegan and she's like, you know, I, I this is what I live for. And I told her I was going to speak to you. She said, oh, my God, just tell him that, you know, he made my life. I said, yes, I'll tell him that. And I'm sure a lot of people ask because you don't get that kind of enthusiasm, you know, because, you know, I know a lot of vegan products are, you know, are very similar to what, and you can't make out the difference, but, you know, people are very passionate about your vegan uh, donuts. And was it very hard to get a product that was very similar to the rest of the stuff that you were making? Because you know that people would compare. Yeah, I think it, it was a huge task, um, but and it really started with listening to the customer you know we had people starting to come to us like yourself and your chef who, who would come get their their favorite flavors and they'd often 
be with their friend, just <laughs> a lot like your best friend, who yeah. would be watching their friend eat the donut and go, well, I want to enjoy this too. Why can't I, you know, have a cross town experience and, and enjoy these delicious things? And that momentum of people asking us, hey, when are you going to do a vegan donut? You know, it, it just really snowballed. It, it just kept coming up day by day, week on week. So we've really put our minds to it and started to think about, well, how do we do a vegan sourdough? Uh, what are the things that we would need to do to replace, you know, the butter and, and the eggs and what's the process? What's the impact on, on, you know, the product itself, the tasting, you know, the taste, the eating experience. And the guys worked extremely hard in the bakery to ultimately, you know, refine that process, understand how we could also not just do one, but do thousands and that that's a big thing as you know yeah. in, in food yes. is that absolutely it's all about how do you actually replicate that quality and we I, I think it took us a good sort of thinking about it the whole process would have been about a year of, wow. of thinking wow. about how do we do this to, to executing on it and, and getting something to market that we were really proud of and you're exactly right that the question we actually asked ourselves was if we actually put this product next to our original sourdough and we gave it to someone who loved our original products, would they still love the vegan product? And when we got to that point where we felt, no, actually, this is this is a great eating experience. It's very cross-town. We, we were happy to, to launch it to market. So we always say, like, it doesn't matter whether you're a vegan or not, you know, choose from any of the range because they're all going to be delicious. And interestingly now, like, there's definitely people who were diehard fans of of some of the original flavors like the creme brulee or the chocolate truffle who now come in and buy their vegan donut is their regular because they're like actually i really love what you've done here with this flavor and it's not only just as good it's better and that's that's so satisfying to hear right it's just it's been a journey from saying okay let's offer something for vegans to now actually having you know, a range which is actually predominantly vegan. And you go into a shop, maybe six of the 10 flavors are vegan. And, and that's really symbolizes what's changed, right? The, the different habits that people have formed. And it's nice for us to have been at the forefront of that development. And, and you're right, being very early on and identifying that, not trend, but really movement that's happened yeah. in the market. Yeah, and moving on to being very early on and trends. You know, your second successful business, which, you know, if you're in hospitality, you will all know about Slurp. So Slurp essentially is a great portal. I know JP is going to explain it better, but I'll just tell you in how I saw it. But what happened over the pandemic is that the lines blurred and all of us had to pivot and do delivery. So now, JP, tell me about Slurp. So, you know, it was really quite an unusual concept again ahead of its time and you managed to kind of i think that behind the scenes there must have been a crazy scramble to get it off the ground because obviously you wouldn't know that that point would reach with the pandemic with everybody wanting to do delivery because that's all we could do this this story for slurp goes back a lot further than most people think um like yourself asma a lot of people discovered us uh during the the pandemic and the lockdowns but actually, the Slurp story for me starts back in 2015 when we were oh. quite early on at Crosstown. Yeah, and, and 
So you are seriously time. ahead of your times. <laughs> <laughs> we were, we were quite early in the thinking. Um, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll tell you the problem I was trying to solve because it, it starts with 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 that. As, as you've said, Crosstown's been quite a progressive, uh, innovative brand, and it, it's part of our culture in many senses. Not not because we set out for it to be so, just in terms of how we've progressed as a business, whether it's in the products or an early adoption or uh, early adopter of technology. Like you said, we we were one of the first places to go cashless. We were taking card payments from day dot as a market stall um, when we first launched. And we were also at Crosstown, you know, one of the first brands to adopt the marketplace technology. So when I talk about marketplaces, I'm meaning the Deliveroo's, Uber Eats of the world. We were one of the first brands to, to use Uber Eats as a, a launch partner. And when I met Deliveroo back in the day, you know, there was there was 10 staff. It was an incredibly small wow. business. It was a startup. And I really just believed that in five to 10 years time, and you gotta remember we're looking at 2015 as a starting point. So we're already there. Uh, I fully believed that online ordering would be a big part of hospitality. I truly believe that people would be using their phones to order things and whether it's to collect them from the shops or restaurants or to get deliveries. And I believed that the marketplace technology would significantly shape how consumer habits uh, would form. And, you know, I, I was quite excited to to use these technologies. And it's like, wow, this is this is really interesting. This is taking concept and, and really going, okay, if we can not only just serve walk by customers that can come into our premises, but also start to, to capture a, a delivery area or uh, a catchment area, um, it really sort of changes your business model. I've simply felt it was like, I've got this brand that I'm putting my blood, sweat and tears into. I think it's got a lot of potential. Um, I don't want to be reliant on just the third-party marketplaces to, you know, sell online. I want to be able to do that with a crosstown experience. They should be able to come to my website or my social channels and be able to transact. And I want to be able to give them that that crosstown experiences online as much as we can offline. So I started looking at what we could do to do this, and you know, I really couldn't find a solution out there that would enable Crosstown to, to start selling direct and start allowing customers to buy direct. We ended up building um, a version for, for Crosstown back in so 2016. And then in January, 2017, we turned it on for Crosstown. And I remember the first day that we, we turned it on and 10 minutes later, someone placed an order. And over the course of 2017, 2018, and a lot of 2019, we just learnt. We spent such a long period of time understanding how e-commerce, you know, online ordering would really work for the hospitality sector and did tens of thousands of orders, doing all sorts of deliveries and all sorts of uh, technical integrations with all the different parties that were out there. We were just learning and we were a sponge of a company. We only actually launched Slurp to market at the end of 2019. So we spent three years testing, learning, refining before we, we entered the market and started offering the technology to other people. 
And then, of course, three months later, the pandemic hit. Yeah. So we <laughs> call it right, right place, right time. Like you could say that in many senses, but I think we we were successful in helping hospitality brands and businesses through the pandemic because we'd put in such big effort in the years before building out a solution that would work. You know, that's something I'm very proud of is that we've enabled, you know, the sector, which was on its knees and continues to be challenging, right, to to find revenue streams, to find a way of connecting with their customers and and allow them to innovate, but with them in control. I think that's the big factor, right? It's it's the businesses interacting directly with the customers. Uh, Slurp is all about sitting in the background. It's not about us. We're not going to be a marketplace. We're all about providing B2B technology to, to the sector. So it's been a journey. It's been a crazy couple of years for, for everyone in the world. But uh, yeah, particularly for for us where we've been trying to make sure Crosstown survives, uh, but also make sure that Slurp gets in the hands of, of everyone in the sector. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. You're listening to The Business of Food with Asma Khan, brought to you by Distill Ventures. To apply to Distill Ventures Pre-Accelerator or to begin your journey in creating a new drinks idea, head to www.distillventures.com now. It's fascinating. I, I hadn't realized, I, I'm sure, as you said, a lot of people would not have realized that, you know, it's, it's this started at 2017 and because all of us only noticed you uh, with, without sounding disrespectful, but all of us only noticed you when the pandemic hit and we started looking yep. around for, for, for portals, you know, we didn't know what to do. And of course, the thing is that, you know, for all of us who are restauranters, no idea about how, you know, delivery works. It was such a time mm -hmm. of fear and insecurity, massive financial crunch. And the mm -hmm. fact that, you know, I just remember this, that, you know, I noticed the commission that uh, Slurp was taking, you know, which you hadn't mentioned, which was substantially lower than, uh, you know, the market leaders. And, you mm -hmm. know, and it, that was interesting and it allowed, you know, you and your website, you know, so you could control that thing. Because I think what was really frightening at that time is, Everything was out of our control. And somehow, you know, we wanted, I mean, for, for me, the instinct was that, you know, I need to have control over what's happening because every day the government was saying something new and, you know, my God, floundering around and, yeah. you know, you're feeling insecure. And, you know, then, you know, people I knew really well started getting sick and very sick. Sadly, I lost, you know, family members uh, in, in India mm -hmm. and Bangladesh from COVID. You know, so it was that time of, you know, this is real and this is frightening. And if I need to survive, I need to be able to deliver. And it was, you know, a, a time, but at least what was so clear and, you know, someone who's, I always call myself a very low tech mom. Uh, I, I need my kids to kind of <laughs> even do my Instagram stories because I really have no tech. Surprisingly, I could understand what was happening with Slurp. So that's the big thing that I thought was quite interesting that, you know, I read what was happening, what was going on in the website and what was happening and how it was going to affect me. And I thought, okay, this makes sense to me. So that's, you know, the guys who worked on your, on your project, this is a really remarkable thing because a lot of us, you know, never had to encounter this kind of technology. It was very easy to understand. So that was a very big thing. But I want to know, you know, for those people who actually started using Slurp, what is happening now, now that restaurants are open? What is the situation now for you? 
Yeah, it's a very good question. I think the challenge that we all face in the sector is the lack of visibility. I still think, I don't know about you, Asma, but I still feel like trying to forecast out further than a than a week or a couple, you know, a couple of weeks is is almost impossible. It's almost yeah. like every every day is like a new day, and all your historical trading information that you might have had it kind of becomes meaningless because we're in this new phase and and we don't know how long that phase is going to last for or is this the new normal as, as people keep asking so i think because the visibility is is low and because there are some immediate structural challenges you know whether it's supply chain issues staffing you know we could we could have a whole session about staffing i know oh, yes uh, yeah it's it's there's some macro challenges that we're facing and i think what's happened is that the mindset is now there where people realize they have to be more diversified they do have to be more as we say omnichannel they might have to have several strings to the bow of, of the business and where it might have just been, you know, we have a restaurant, we, people come in, we serve food and they walk out. There are now elements of, well, okay, we might need to do delivery through a marketplace. We also might need to do click and collect and delivery through our own website. And those, you know, changes in mindset do lead to educating the market, educating operators, uh, getting them up to speed on, on what does this mean for your business? What does this mean for your, your kitchen, your layout? You know, how do you adopt these relevant technologies to ultimately deal with the uncertainty? But I think more importantly, actually listen to the customer. We always did delivery at Crosstown because people asked us to. We did vegan donuts at Crosstown because people asked us to. And I think that's always been a really important factor as to why Slurp has managed to get off the ground, get off the ground, right? It's still a very early stage company, but it's managed to, to help hundreds of businesses now. It's because we ultimately solved a problem and listened to the market and said, well, what is it you need? What is it your customers need? Okay, let's build a solution from the bottom up, bottom uh, up to, you know, and really solve those pain points so that you guys can focus on making brilliant food. You know, that's what you want to do. That's why we all are in the sector. The technology side is is a huge gray area and you don't want to compound that on top of an already extremely gray market. So I think there's a lot of dynamics going on, but I think the mindset shift is, is being really significant as to having an omni-channel approach to, the, to businesses. And I think there's there's almost different stages different businesses are at you've got i'd say the more traditional legacy bigger brands and businesses that are, are trying to catch up and they're dealing with legacy systems and 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 uh, you know almost a traditional mindset and they're lagging behind a bit and then you've got the brand new brands that are coming to market you know taking new new locations and straight away they're thinking okay i need a a POS system, I need a marketplace, I need a D2C solution. It's almost a hygiene factor from day one. And that's very, very different to how it was even, you know, two years ago, where before the pandemic hit. So I find it, you know, very exciting still. I think we've got some challenges, but I'm still very positive about our sector. I think there's so much positivity 
that's going on. There's so much camaraderie. There's a lot of uh, things that I think have come out the last 18 months that will benefit the sector. And I do think that that positive innovation is, is one of those things. And I do think that brands will want to engage more and more with their customers directly. I know, I, I, I know that, you know, uh, at least the last time that I, I, I've, I've read that you're using Stuart as, you know, as your delivery uh, partner. So drivers, you know, who riders are of Stuart. Have you not looked at getting your own delivery drivers, delivery people, or is that too big a step to take? We, we actually work with about 15 different courier companies. So we, ah, okay. Okay. Stuart is one of them. Um, there, there are many of them, and actually, the beauty about the technology is, you choose what you want to do. So, if you don't have the capacity and you want to uh, give it to a third party, you can. But if you want to deliver it yourself, you can also do that, and you can have a hybrid hybrid model. So, Crosstown's a great example where it uses a mix of you know, national couriers for the nationwide delivery. So that's people like DHL. We use people like Ride and Stuart for, for localized instantaneous deliveries, call it, you know, same day deliveries. And then we've actually got our own fleet of drivers as well that do a lot of the, the pre-orders around Greater London. So I think that's part of part of the beauty of of what Slurp does is that it enables you to sort of choose the setup that you want. Uh, to your question about does Slurp want to start offering uh, a courier service, it's not in you know our plan for now. We're, we're very much focused on the direct ordering experience. So that includes the website powering. We're launching apps so you can have your own app for your brand, loyalty, digital marketing to help you sort of drive traffic to your website. So when people search on Google, they, they, they can find you. So we're more about supporting that side of the business and connecting in with the different services, because as you said, you know, logistics is, is a whole nother piece of the pie. And there's people that are very specialists that can deal with that. All we want to do is enable you to connect with them if you want them. Yeah, it's it's a very challenging uh, marketplace as well. I, I mean, I remember being very confused. Uh, you know, in early lockdown, I was looking at delivery options, and mm. you know, uh, I mean, Slurp obviously stood up for for me stood up immediately because you know, a the commission was lower, and that at that point that matters a lot. You know, when everything had shut down, yeah. And also, I could understand that you know, this this is a system that is being set up which will help me and whatever, and clearly seemed to work. And of course, you know, I, I then Googled and I checked that it was Crosstown and I thought, okay, the donut guy, I can do this because he knows how to make donuts. So he must be very good at this too. I mean, of course it helped a lot, but I mean, I just think that it is now still very confusing and, you know, and all the insecurities, I mean, I, you know, I try really hard to be positive uh, and see mm. uh, a successful uh, winter ahead of us as a restaurant with people coming in and eating and traveling safely. But part of me is, you know, I, I look at Australia, I look at Israel, and I look at, you know, lots of other countries that, you know, had reached that point and then went back. And yeah. I, I feel scared because, you know, with all the removal of restrictions with travel, which is good for the travel industry, but, you know, I, I can't help but feel unsafe in some ways that, you know, we might just go back into some restriction. Yeah. And it's a kind of, you know, I guess, because 
it just was so incredibly hard what has mm. happened to all of us over the lockdown these long periods of insecurity uncertainty constant changing of position of the goalposts you know people feeling especially if you're in central london and i know that you have uh, you know yeah. outlets in central london you know people yeah. not willing to use public transport no tourists you know uh, no office people so it's just you feel worried but i think that you know your model is is interesting i'm i know that whatever happens you always be the head of the game so you will find a way to kind of move ahead but i i i cannot possibly you know let you go because you seem to have got so much right to ask you how you think you know the following year what are the things that you think might happen what what advice would you give to uh restauranters who you know are still uncertain about delivery not sure what's going to happen you know i just wanted to ask you you know your opinion on how, how can we prepare for further insecurity because i think we're going to have a challenging winter and definitely january and february is going to be challenging i think it's a very good question i th- i think that there's got to be some comfort in that we're all in this together i th- i think that's a big part is that whether it's yourself with with your restaurants asma or or, or crosstown with its you know multiple outlets we're all facing the same challenges and and as a sector we we have to to try and be positive about getting out of this together and i really do think that as much as we can we we've, we've got to try and look at what what are the things that this allows us to do this crazy period of of our lives and it does allow us to rip up the rule book that's one thing that i'm very clear on that if you are willing to do that it's a it can be a very positive step uh and i'll give you an example when i when i was faced with the the first lockdown with crosstown it's probably the worst week of of my life in terms of having to think about okay sacking you know 100 people we we weren't we geez we thought we were going to go under it was very clear we were an independent business right so we didn't have massive financial backing with deep pockets and i thought geez 7 years of my life is about to blow up in smoke in 2 weeks and i haven't done anything wrong i don't feel like i've done anything wrong here in this business um and at that sort of point in time i remember me and adam just saying we literally have nothing to lose there is nothing to lose because it's all on the line anyway so why don't we try something completely different why don't we we do the the crosstown collective box which was these grocery boxes and we we partner with people to get them sent you know and and used slurp to to enable us to do that we're like why don't we do the ice cream and the cookies because we've always had these on our list but we've never get to them let's get them done why don't we do the nationwide delivery because you know it's always been a challenge to think about packaging and and how do we get a fresh box of donuts to edinburgh but we did all these things in 6 months we really just pushed on and thought there's nothing to lose this is really like the the throw of last throw of the dice in many senses and we were very lucky that those things came off and were successful for us but i think that mindset of actually you know you said the word pivot you know it's almost you know, an evolution beyond that it's how do you 
rip up the rule book, any preconceived ideas of what your business plan is. And if you have to redo it for the modern day, what would you have to do? And to me, a big part of that, of course, is, is going digital, making sure that you are online um, directly as well as marketplaces. And you start to listen to the, the consumers because they're ordering online. I can tell you right now from what we see from the hundreds of partners we work with, people are ordering direct. They want to engage with the brand directly. They want to buy online. And having that mindset, you know, to, to adopt digital, to change the rule book, I think is going to be super important in the next 12 months. Uh, because you've got to be nimble. I think we've got to all be really, really nimble as to what, what might occur, which could be another lockdown. It could be, you know, pressures on travel again. We, we just don't know. And, and that's the certainty, right? The certainty is that there's, there's unknown out there. So make sure you're, you're enabling your, your business to, to be nimble and flexible and listen to your customers. Yeah, I mean, actually, that's a really very important point because, you know, for me, biryani was something that was so emotional, very traditional, mm. where I serve people personally. And I eventually had to post it. And I remember the first biryani that went by national delivery to Scotland and someone posted a picture. I sat and I cried. I cried so much because, you know, for me, Scotland was like the so far away. Yeah, and that I, had, exactly. I had actually packed biryani, put ice around yeah. it, found some packaging. It was crazy. Yeah. We couldn't find packaging at that yeah. time. Every yeah. day we would get different size of box. You know, we'd get, you know, and we'd <laughs> like, you know, what are you going to do with this? Because, you know, literally every day, whenever we tried to get boxes, we got random sizes. So literally we were having to change the biryani box to fit the carton because we couldn't get cartons. But yeah, I don't know. I think that is really relevant as someone who's lived through this without actually being able to understand what I was doing. I think it's great to hear you saying it that, you know, be nimble, be open-minded, you know, tear up the rule book. Okay, so this is the last question. What next for you? What next for me? I probably need to sleep for a while, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I, I, I think what I'm trying to do is, is just, look, remain positive and, and I'm still, like I say, excited about the hospitality sector. And yes, the landscape has changed, but I feel like Crosstown's in a in a good position where we are looking at opening up new shops again, but outside of London, you know, what we've oh. learned, okay. what we've actually learned is, is that people want to buy from us who aren't in London because we, yeah. we've done it the last 18 months. Right. So we're, we're opening a shop in, in Cambridge in, in December. Uh, we are looking at some sort of other areas uh, as well. So I, I think Crosstown's got, a good model and it's got a nice established brand and it's just about taking it a bit further outside of London. And for, for Slurp, look, it's it's very simple. It's help the hospitality sector uh, with these online tools, make sure that, that we're giving them that, that ability to be omni-channel and, you know, keep keep providing our solution to to as many businesses as possible we're here, we understand the challenges. Like there's not many tech companies that can sit here and go, hey, I understand your challenges. Why? Because I've gone through them with my own business. That's why I've built this tech. Um, and I think as long as we keep focused on that, you know, more and more adoption will occur from, from businesses and, and consumers. 
Well, JP, thank you so much. And really, it is true because you've been through it. You're not just a tech company, not just a delivery company, because you're living and breathing all the issues that, you know, all of us in hospitality are going through. And, mm-hmm. and this is what makes you special. And even if you're still cleaning the floor someplace, your story <laughs> is, 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 is a real inspiration for me because, you know, you, you know that, you know, be humble, be hungry and keep driving, you know, and, and believe in the fact that, you know, you're getting somewhere, even if it looks so tough. And yeah, it's been exactly. an absolute honor to speak to you. And uh, I need to come in for some donuts. And this time I'm definitely going to try, <laughs> the, try the vegan one because I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very, uh, you know, it's just, I, I think I just have these memories of struggling and being able to afford only one donut and sharing it. Uh, the Crosstown Donut is also a sign of my struggle. Uh, it's a very, it's very personal. So the fact that I can yeah. now afford a full one uh, and I enjoy it. <laughs> It's you've about done emotion. okay, Asma, trust me. You've done all right as well. <laughs> there so are some positives from our history. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. But thank you very much, JP, and wishing you all the best. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com. You're listening to The Business of Food with Asma Khan, brought to you by Distill Ventures. To apply to Distill Ventures Pre-Accelerator or to begin your journey in creating a new drinks idea, head to www.distillventures.com now.